Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect Podcast. So glad that you joined us here on another great day that the Lord has made. Welcome to all our listeners from Canada, here in the Great White North, and across this great universal church that we belong to. So glad that you joined us. Well, let's start with a couple of great quotes from some great saints, two great saints about the Blessed Virgin Mary. Quote, O sinner, be not discouraged, but have recourse to Mary in all your necessities. Call her to your assistance, for such is the divine will that she should help in every kind of necessity. From St. Basil the Great. And the second quote, if you invoke the Blessed Virgin Mary when you are tempted, she will come at once to your help and Satan will leave you. From the great St. John Vianney, patron saint of parish priests. Well, I'm really excited to share this interview I had with my parish priest right now, Father Carlos Nunez. He's been a parish priest in our diocese for several years already, and our longtime listeners of the podcast already know Father Chris Schmidt. He is still within the Archdiocese of Edmonton, and he's appeared on our podcast three times in the past, but he has moved to a different town, a nearby town to where I live in Fort Saskatchewan. So I was really excited to uh, to get Father Carlos to agree to come on and talk about devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary in particular to the 15 promises of the rosary. And I think that's so important right now to focus on devotions, whatever they may be. It's uh, an old practice of the Catholic Church. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's not good anymore and it's not applicable to the to our daily lives. If anything, it's more applicable now than ever before. So Father tells us a little bit about his vocation story and also some of the great promises of the rosary and praying it faithfully throughout our lives. And I know it's not always easy, especially people that have families and you have a, a busy life, but we need to make the time to have devotion and uh, have a prayer life. And reciting the rosary, especially as a family, is just so powerful. So excited to share this interview with Father Carlos. We'll see you on the other side, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, we're very blessed to have my parish priest, Father Carlos Nunez, on this episode of the podcast. He's from Edmonton, Alberta. And he's been a priest in our archdiocese since 2013, so very nearly for nine years. So I'm really excited to introduce uh, our listeners to my parish priest, Father Carlos Nunez. Father, welcome to the Catholic Connect podcast. Great to be here. Well, Father, you're relatively new to our our, uh, parish. I know things seem to be going a lot faster here with uh, this time of the virus. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's it's like that for you too, but uh, time flies when you're having fun. A lot of our listeners are father are, are familiar with Father Chris Schmidt, who's uh, been on our podcast several times in the past, and he's uh, now in the uh, thriving metropolis of Camrose, Alberta. But uh, Father, maybe tell us a little bit about your your journey of faith as a as a child, and and where the seeds of faith were planted, and maybe that uh, seed of uh, uh, for vocation to the priesthood. Where where did that begin in your life? Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I grew up in a Catholic family. And um, we just had the habit of, of going to Sunday Mass every Sunday. At least it felt like every Sunday we went so regularly us for my, on my end. Um, and uh, so basically, you know, um, going to church was basically, like, you know, like getting a drink of water. Like it was just something we did. It's not, it wasn't um, something that we really questioned at all. Um, I, I always, uh, maybe I, you know, especially when I was younger, I was a hyper kid running around the background, uh, you know, sleeping in my mom's lap or whatever. Um, but um, uh, as I got older, um, you know, I would, um, I knew that Jesus was present in the Eucharist. Uh, um, I didn't uh, fully understand exactly what that is. And I guess that's part of growing in our faith. You know, that's, it is a beautiful mystery, but I would remember uh, in St. Anthony's Padua on uh, White Ave in Edmonton, um, they, um, had the tabernacle there off to the side in this nice little kind of like a little grotto almost uh, place it was it had a very prayerful atmosphere to it and so i i would see people go there to pray after mass and so i would join and say a little prayer and um, um yeah it's a, it's a it's a beautiful church because it has a few mosaics there's beautiful lady uh image of our lady of lords there and um some stained glass of St. Anthony and his miracles that he did. So I, it was, it was a beautiful church to kind of, if you're a kid, just to stare and look at uh, the different windows and pieces and stuff like that. Um, and then, um, yeah, I, uh, uh, I had, you know, my, uh, my grandparents and my uncles and aunts, you know, were examples of faith to me. 
Um, I, I never really knew my dad's side of the family because they live in San Diego, Chile, primarily, uh, one aunt in Texas, but um, I, I still have never met them. Um, but um, uh, yeah, no, my my grandma, my grandpa, uh, they, you know, they would pray the rosary. They would, I, you know, they would, my grandpa would help serve as a Eucharistic minister at their parish. And so I would see the example of the faith that they had. And then in my uncles and aunts, when we went over for Christmas or for, you know, funerals, um, you know, I would see the practice of the faith through their example, specifically my uncles, all my uncles, you know, I wasn't alive for some of these things, but all my uncles' wives either passed away through car accident or through cancer. And uh, seeing the example of their faith at a young age, um, you know, um, the, the, you know, going to, a, I went more to more funerals than I did to weddings when I was a kid. Um, and I think that just kind of, maybe not, uh, I think subconsciously kind of just makes you realize, oh yeah, that life is not forever. And um, the faith is a great comfort uh, to them, I could tell. Um, but it was also, you know, we're here for a reason. You know, and we're not here forever. So I think that's just kind of, maybe I didn't think that all the way through, but it's kind of like a general impression probably left on me. Um, and then, um, yeah, at a young age, uh, just going to mass and and going to Catholic schools um, in grade four, um, we receive um, a copy of the Bible or New Testament. And uh, uh, when I, I received my copy of my New Testament from Father Leo Floyd, uh, at Blaskateri, now Sanctuary School, um, uh, I had, you know, my like a good parent. My dad really discouraged us watching too much television, and so I remember one particular summer. So when the school season was done, and um, you know, I was bored out of my mind because you know I was, I was, you know, so I had some period of time, and then I looked at my bookshelf and I was like, oh well, you know, the New Testament's there, might as well pick it up and read, you know, go through it. And it's, you know, it was the good news translation. So it's, you know, more simpler language for children to understand and it has some kind of stick figure images in there. And so I was reading and going through, and I wasn't thinking I'm going to pray with the word of God, but that's basically what happened as I started just reading and, okay, Jesus is calling people. And, and this is, you know, he seems to know what to do with their life. And I remember just reading and just kind of thinking, you know, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And right away I heard, I want you to be a priest. And I wasn't really, what, <laughs> really ready for that. And I was like, what? No, I don't want to do that. Like it was, you know, that's, I don't want to give my whole life to you guys. I going to give a little bit, you know, you know, but of course, you know, as Christians, we need to give our whole selves to Christ. Um, but, you know, it was, um, I remember because it really, really wasn't from me. Like it really wasn't, I was like, what? And I, and to be fair, I, you know, was very naive as to what a priest does. Uh, I mean, you know, I only saw him on Sunday. So, you know, in terms of work-wise, I guess he only worked one day of the week. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you don't know uh, what else he does the rest of the week. But anyway, that was a very impressionable moment. And I was like, I didn't, you know, it was, um, I didn't really know what to do with that, but it, it stayed with me. Um, and I remember, you know, when I would visit my cousin's I have uh, one of my, she's only like a year or two years older than me, and she's a teacher now, which was, uh, you know, predictable because she was very much a teacher when we were kids. She liked, one of the ways she would like to play was she'd set up her dolls like in a classroom and she would teach her kid, her, her dolls or her her, uh, her stuffed toys. And I remember we would, my uh, my grandma and my grandpa managed uh, uh, the apartment building in which they lived in. And um, so, um Maybe that's why we didn't get as much trouble running around the hallways, but we weren't supposed to do that anyway. But in the bottom of the stairwell, uh, we would often gather as our little meeting area with all their cousins and uh, about, you know, five of us down there, maybe more. And I remember, you know, she sat us down and she, you know, and she's, you know, we're all kids. She's like, well, and what would you like to do when you get older? Right? she would ask us. All, and I remember saying, I want to be a priest. And everybody laughed. Um, but I was like, no, no, you know, I've been thinking about it anyway. And I didn't really say it out loud. I really bring it up to my parents. I kind of told my brother, I kind of really kept it private. I didn't really say anything. And then my mom was inspired to um, probably maybe grade five or six she was inspired to volunteer me to be an adult server at our church in saint Teresa's in the woods and i didn't want to do it uh but my best friend his mom wanted him to do it and so i was like oh okay so i was kind of just thrown into it uh, but obviously it stuck because <laughs> uh, i was very much um um you know a distracted kid in church and so all of a sudden i'm in now okay i'm up there and i'm
was thinking, oh, look at me. They're not really, <laughs> you know, like you're there, but you know, people are also distracted in church and, but you know, it was good. Cause it really, I think for someone like myself, who can be easily distracted, I think without maybe realizing it was a good way to help me to focus more at the mass and I can understand the mass more, you know, looking back at it now. Anyway, not to make a long story longer, but um, uh, one, one of the fruits of that was that I, um, when I went to high school, which was in Holy Trinity, which is not right across the street, but there's a Grammy McEwen building, which is now being repurposed. But anyway, and then right across from that Grammy McEwen building is my high school. So basically roughly a block or two blocks away from the church. So because I was familiar with the parish and I, I knew the people there, during my breaks in my high school, I would walk to the church and I would spend time and uh, with the Lord near the tabernacle and pray. And um, uh, Saint Therese de Lisieux is one of my favorite saints, which is the patron of that parish. And her relics actually came to, I think in the uh, mid nineties, they came to our parish. Um, she was doing a, the relics did a tour of Canada and other areas. So I got to, I prayed and asked for intercession with my vocation. Um, but, um, I didn't really, you know, again, this was uh, what really helped me before high school, I should say, was I had one of the lady who was our organizer for adult service or, yeah, altar service. They made the distinction of junior and altar server at St. Teresa's, um, but um, yeah, we're all altar service. Um, she, she, unbeknownst to me, she had put my name in to go to a vocation talk that was at uh, St. Joseph's Seminary uh, to talk about religious vocations. And I had no idea she had done this. And so all the, one day in the mail, um, there was a letter directed to me uh, about, would you like to go to uh, a vocations talk? And I was like, it was specifically about priesthood and religious life. And I was like, this is weird. Like, <laughs> I literally have not said this to anybody. And I get this thing in the mail. I'm like, okay, God, maybe there's something here. <laughs> but I didn't know that she had, you know, she saw something in me, I guess, that I didn't see in myself. So I kind of uh, fluffed it off. I said, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but, you know, just because, you know, a politeness because they sent the card. Maybe I should go. You know, that's the excuse I gave. But I really wanted to go. Um, and so when I went there, it was a very emotional experience in a positive way. Because for the first time, I was hearing other people who felt that God was calling them to be a nun or a brother or a priest. And because I didn't really know how to communicate that to people because I didn't want people think I was crazy because it really wasn't like an audible thing it was more like in your heart. And it was so comforting to hear that there were other people that felt that they were called to serve the Lord in, in that unique way. And I remember being very um, appreciative and grateful. And then, so by the time I got to high school, that was, it was not in the front of my mind. I kind of was still trying to find a way out of it. Like, uh, you know, like, Oh, maybe there's some other job. Maybe just kind of like, you know, kids said they want to be an astronaut kind of thing. Anyway, long story short, um, I still felt like I was called to the priesthood at the end of my high school tenure. And I uh, asked the vocation director uh, about it. Very naive as to the whole process. Um, you know, even though I grew up going to church every Sunday, my catechesis in the faith was, uh, you know, very basic. And um, anyway, I got to go to, for the Archdiocese of Minton, got to go to Seminary Christ the King, which is in Mission, BC, which is run by the Benedict monks. Um, and um, though you don't become a monk, um, you definitely live beside them. So you indirectly kind of develop the habits of a Benedictine monk or a labora prayer and work. They have a wonderful devotion to Our Lady, and they also wear a scapular, not the brown scapular, but a black one that goes in front and back. And um, it was very, it was very good because I came right out of high school. World Youth Day had just happened, so I got to see and hear John Paul II, Saint John Paul II, preach in English. Um, and he he said, you know, you are the salt and light in the world. You know, I remember his homily, and I was so moved by the fact that it wasn't derogatory of putting down like you need to get better shape. It was like, no, you guys are leaders and you can be the light of Christ and you, you know, just follow the Lord. You know, I was like, you know, he said much more than that, but I'm paraphrasing. Um, and so when I was at Christ the King, I was kind of really uh, knocked over by the beautiful liturgy that we have because, you know, the monks, the, the Benedictine monks in particular, their, their spirituality is the liturgy. Um, really, they really, 
a hone into it. So, you know, I had never been to really, to my recollection, to a real Easter vigil before with all the rings and the bells and the whole, how you decorate and how you kind of, uh, you eat, you know, so you're, you're, you know, you, you know, you fast during Lent, but they really showed like how you can celebrate during the feast days or solemnities. And then you, how you can fat, you know, it was kind of a cultural experience of the liturgy, which was really, really neat. And it was really, really beautiful to see men who had been celibate and priests longer than I had been alive twice over or three times over. And they're happy <laughs> and they're living in community. And uh, all of them are very honest, sincere men. And a lot of them are extremely intelligent and bright. And um, it was a great, um, beautiful witness to see and actually to visit or, and go and see them again. So it was a good form formative years for myself. Um, and then I finished the rest at uh, St. Joseph's Seminary. Um, but of course, Our Lady was instrumental in that. Part of my willingness to want to go to the seminary was in high school was I had a girlfriend in my last year of, of high school, my second last year of high school. And um, her mom had um, rosaries in uh, little Ziploc bags with a little how to pray the rosary. And I had always seen my grandparents pray the rosary, but I never really knew how to pray the rosary. And so at 18 years old, <laughs> I asked my girlfriend at the time, um, I don't have one now, obviously. <laughs> uh, uh, I asked her, because she was a parishioner at St. Teresa's as well. Uh, I asked her, well, how do you pray the rosary? She's like, oh, well, there's this little card and it's on there and you can go through it. And they kind of explained to me. And I got really excited about praying the rosary. And in fact, I asked my girlfriend, hey, can we pray the rosary together in the church? <laughs> and I remember it was very awkward because she had grown up praying. So she said it very quickly. And I was brand new. So I was going really slow. And it was kind of like she was done. And I was still trying to go. And it was very awkward. We were in the church, you know, and <laughs> maybe I could have. I seen that I already wanted to be a priest because I, I was like, one of the things I want to do with my girlfriend did was to pray the rosary. So anyway, uh, that didn't work out. Um, the, uh, you know, and I was, I was heartbroken because I thought I was in love. You know, I wasn't, but, you know, um, but it was, uh, uh, but that's when Our Lady, I, I think she really was interceding on my behalf to, to say yes to going to the seminary. And then, of course, the monks, uh, you know, those are great, you know, we sang the Salve Regina at night prayer, you know, Hello Queen and uh, all these beautiful hymns to Our Lady. And there's a beautiful image of Our Lady in the, in the Abbey Church. Um, and um, yeah, just to have that incorporated. And so, and now I've been a priest uh, in the Archdiocese of Edmonton, as you mentioned, since 2013 to 2022. It's, it's gone by very quickly, honestly, uh, you know, and, um, but uh, Our Lady has been, uh, a great help to me. And um, uh, I, that's why I wish to share these 15 promises of the rosary, because though I definitely um, have prayed the rosary, I definitely need to, uh, I want to uh, make it more and more a priority in my life, you know, because I think you can view it as one of the devotions that the church has, because we were very rich with the lives of the saints. But I think in a particular way, the rosary really needs to be um, part of every Catholic's life. Well, right. let's get, and just so people know, you don't have to scratch these down on a piece of paper while you're listening to it. I'll have it in the show notes. We'll have the 15 promises. They're all beautiful. So let's start tackling them, Father. The first one, so whoever shall faithfully ser serve me by the recitation of the rosary shall receive signal graces. So that's the first one. Let me tell our listeners what a signal grace is. Right. So people right away, uh, if you have, um, you know, I'm always thinking of people who are not Catholic, um, you know, so when people say, Ooh, I don't like that word. Serve me, serve Mary. Ooh, isn't everything about Jesus? Well, of course for us as Catholics, Mary wants everything for Jesus. So, and Mary's just trying to bring people to Jesus. And so if Mary asks us anything, it's, it's to, for us to listen to Jesus and to follow him, right? Like you mentioned, do whatever he tells you. So when she says, whoever will faithfully serve me by the, and this is how she says, by the recitation of the rosary, that's what she's asking is, shall receive singular grace. So of course, in baptism, we all receive the grace of forgiveness uh, of uh, the wound of original sin and the promise of eternal life. But uh, each of us in a unique way has different responsibilities, uh, struggles with different temptations, um, all, of course, all of them, but in specific ways, some of us more are angry, have a tendency to anger. Some of us are maybe have a tendency to 
possess things. So maybe it's stealing other people. Maybe it's they like to be the tension of everything. Other people, maybe it's, uh, you know, problems with the last, all of us have these problems, but some of us, you know, might have a, a specific inclination or tendency for those things. So when Mary says, when you pray the rosary, you'll have single graces, the lady, our, our, the Lord will help us uh, overcome these things. Now remember, what's the rosary? You're taking time, 15 minutes roughly, for the rosary to reflect on salvation history. And you're praying the Our Father and Hail Mary. Uh, and so if, you're, if you do that every day, you're, you're going to be more open to God in your life. You know, you're going to have, you know, uh, you're going to have um, uh, a prayerful period of time that's going to affect the rest of your day, especially if you do the rosary at the beginning of the day. Um, I would say is more preferable or at least uh, at the end of the day to, to participate, to thank the Lord for the for the day and to get ready for the next day. You know, anytime you can get it in, it's great. Um, so this is this is that singular grace, those particular graces that are unique to you and to your responsibility. So, for example, if you're a father or you're a mother, you know, uh, to be the best father and mother you can be as a priest, you know, that I would do all my ministries. Um, and number two uh, is I promise my special protection and the greatest graces to all those who shall recite the rosary. So, you know, our um, for us, you know, if you think about your mom, it's if she's asking something sincerely, you know, you you want to help her because she's your mom. She's taking care of you, right? And our Lord, though he doesn't need anyone, he's totally self-sufficient. He did come to be a helpless child who couldn't even feed himself and changes his own, you know, clothes. He allowed St. Joseph and Mother Mary to take care of him, right? And because of her humility, uh, if she asks something of Christ, Christ, obviously everything is done in the will of God because she only wants the will of God. So, you know, she will offer her special protection and the grace uh, and the greatest graces to all those who shall recite the rosary. Well, part of it too, is if you're reflecting on the word of God and you're taking time to be closer to the Lord, you know, that in itself is uh, how we receive those graces. Cause we'll be like, Oh, well, if I'm leaving my day, I'm trying to, you know, for example, you know, today, Wednesday is the glorious mysteries. So right? we're reflecting on the resurrection. So, okay. So, you know, I have hope that even though, our world and there's death and there's war that this isn't the end that we have eternal life. Right. So it helps you look at your life in a broader lens. And so you, you're a person of hope. You're not as weighed down by these things. So that's an example. Um, number three, the rosary shall be a powerful armor against hell. It will destroy vice, decrease sin and defeat heresies. We could use more of that today. Couldn't we father? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, so, heard, I heard an interesting one on this one, father. And they said, you know, if, if you've got a vice, and I know that some, a lot of men we struggle with with lust, you know. Uh, maybe some women struggle with anger, but they say either you'll give up the the you'll you'll keep on going with the prayer with the rosary, or you're gonna give up the sin. You know what I mean? There's gonna be one or the other. So if you're gonna if you're gonna keep praying the rosary every day, the sin's gonna go away. You're gonna that's gonna go away. But if you keep up with the sin, you can't pray the rosary at the same time. You can't do both, right? So th- I thought yeah. this was an interesting one, number three for sure. And I think, you know, it's, uh, you know, your habits, you know, as Aristotle says, you are what you repeatedly do. So um, if we repeatedly reflect on the Lord's uh, words um, and uh, how he's worked in salvation history, and we're praying for his uh, grace to be involved in our life, that will only help us going forward, right? So again, um, this is not magic. This is just literally... uh, turning to our Lord who has promised to help us, right? That he'll be with us till the end of the age, you know, and beyond. Um, and so this is just taking him at his word. And Our Lady uh, wants us to give our yes, our fiat, our yes to the Lord. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously hell doesn't want that. Satan doesn't want that. But of course, what's beautiful, uh, and th- this was Father Mike Smith commented on this. Um, he mentioned, you know, the, the devil's a fallen angel, um, right? Uh, he could have chosen to follow the Lord, but he didn't. Um, he willfully chose not to. Um, but he's a creature, right? So we're, we're as um, we don't want to fall in the heresies where we believe in two gods fighting each other. No, there's only one God, right? And uh, the devil, because God gives us free will, because love has to exist in freedom. Um, you, can, you know, uh, if if we had to, and everybody must be obey God, there wouldn't be any free will, and it wouldn't be authentic love, right? So 
the devil has chosen to love himself and do whatever he wants kind of thing. But at the same time, he's lost the beatific vision. He's lost it. So there's this hell and there's heaven, right? So, you know, the a way to not only grow closer to the Lord, but to be protected from uh, aggressive temptations and uh, the influence of the enemy is to, to turn closer to the Lord. Right. You know, uh, the Lord even says in scriptures, if you turn to me, you know, uh, you know, I will come to you more. But it's, of course, the Lord respects our free will. Right. And so by turning to the Lord, this helps destroy the influence of sin in our life. And also, you know, if we spend ourselves in front of the, a screen and we're, we're watching lewd images and uh, sinful images and stuff like that, that affects our soul 100 percent. Right. But the, the opposite is also true. If we spend time looking at holier things and especially you're focusing and paying attention on other things that also has a, a positive effect on our, on our thoughts. Well, I think it ties words. in really good with the fourth one, father. It says, uh, the rosary will cause virtue and good works to flourish. It will obtain for souls, the abundant mercy of God and will withdraw the hearts of men from the love of the world and its vanities and will lift them to the desire for eternal things. Uh, I think that's uh, well, those are all beautiful promises. That one really is very relevant to today. Isn't it father? Yeah, and then at the end, there's also she also says, "Oh, that souls would sanctify themselves by these means, mm-hmm. right?" So when you when you keep something front of mind, you're more likely to do it, right? Um, you know, um, there's a David Allen who's um, kind of a secular uh, person about business management. He he has a saying that if it's on your mind, it's not getting done. Right. Which is, it always makes me laugh because I have many things on my mind. <laughs> oh, you know, what I want to do, but they're not happening. But of course, if you start putting on your mind what God has done, well, okay, you know, we're thinking about heaven today. We're thinking about the resurrection, the ascension, the sent to the Holy Spirit, uh, these, you know, the uh, assumption into heaven of Mary. And uh, uh, I'm talking about the mysteries of the rosary for the, for today, the, the glorious mysteries and the coronation of uh, mother uh, Mary over heaven and earth. You realize, Oh, okay. Like, well, okay. So, um, you know, the grace of the resurrection, you know, uh, am, uh, do I live as a person of hope? Um, a real belief that, um, that death is the last word in my life. Um, is there someone maybe that needs to hear those words um, of support? Um, is, is there people that have passed away in my family that maybe I should be praying for? Or maybe is there someone who's near death's door that maybe I could visit, right? So when you start reflecting on this mystery, it helps us, it helps you start thinking, okay, well, how is that working in my life, right? Um, how is that applying to my life? So number five, uh, the soul which recommends itself to me by the recitation of the rosary shall not perish, right? So again, if you are taking time every day to, ref- you know, you're, you're purposely putting yourself in a positive life because your, your direction of your life, your choices in life, again, are all going to be shaped in the context of your faith and of what God is calling you to. So you'll make better decisions, more holier choices, right? Um, St. Augustine, uh, sorry, St. Ignatius of Loyola has that beautiful question, you know, will this bring me closer to Christ or further away? And it's a real good question because it just kind of cuts right through all the BS that we tell ourselves and just like, yeah, okay, maybe that doesn't. And, but of course, the rosary does bring us closer to Christ. And it's important too, Father, that we're all going to die, but not everybody's yes. going to perish. And I, whenever I see the word perish, and I think when we see that in scripture, we should always be paying attention, right, Father? Because perishing means the death of the soul. And that is... Eternal death, yeah. Right? And that's something that's uh, that's the most important thing, that that we keep our souls ready to, to meet our Lord so we do not perish. We know we're going to die, but uh, uh, our souls last forever. So uh, I'll read number six here, Father. See, we could probably be here for like three hours doing this, Father. This would be like a Joe Rogan-style podcast, I always call it. <laughs> It says, uh, whoever shall recite the rosary devoutly applying himself or herself to the consideration of its sacred mysteries shall never be conquered by misfortune. Uh, God Mm -hmm. will not chastise him in his justice. He shall not perish by an unprovided death. If he be just, he shall remain in the grace of God and become worthy of eternal life. The one thing that that sticks out here is an unprovided death, and it's going to tie into the seventh uh, one as well, but... When somebody talks about unprovided death, what does that mean, Father? Yeah, so um, by justice, you shall not perish by an uh, unprovoked death, unprovided death. You know, um, so for example, uh, I, I think, you know, somebody, you know, just randomly runs you over. Um, you know, it was unprovoked. It just kind of happened. It was an accident. You got struck by lightning in the middle of the field or something, you know, um, something dumb. 
that happens, you know, that um, now, of course, please don't take this in the sense that if somebody in your loved ones has died this way, that it's somehow that they were damned by God or whatever, please don't interpret it that way. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's basically because I'll, I'll put it this way. If you have opened yourself up more to God and to listening to his word and to Christ, the Lord will want to work through you more. You'll be a more better advocate for uh, you'll be the gospel that no one, you know, some people don't read the gospel by, by your life and how you live your life. You know, God, God wants to work through all of us. Um, but the more that we avail ourselves to that, the one who has given us life, the more things that the Lord can work through us. And so as St. Paul, who was bitten by snakes, he had shipwrecks, he had, he was beaten, but he survived those things. It wasn't because he was like some kind of Iron Man. It's because what was his mission to proclaim the gospel, right? And so he survived those things because of his intention to proclaim the gospel. I think sometimes our Christian brothers and sisters in some places, the world, like I, I remember, you know, they, they, they make fun of them, right? They, they're holding the, a, a rattlesnake in their arm and they're purposely getting bit by it. And they want to show that they have faith that this doesn't bother them. But it's, I, in my personal view and the view of the church, I would say, is that we're not um, turning to Christ so that we can be some kind of, um, you know, Iron Man, right? Which in, you know, that's another word for Stalin, by the way, um, <laughs> um, you know, there's some kind of imperishable force. It's because of the mission that St. Paul was on, that the Lord was protecting him uh, to share. And the same thing, if we're praying the rosary, then we're, we're trying to share the measures of the gospel. So, um, but of course, even in our death, so if someone gives her life, like, for example, St. Stephen, even in his death, he, it started the process of the conversion of St. Paul, right? By, right? So even if someone does uh, a die, um, you know, for example, I, I, the abbot of the Benedictine monastery that I went to, the first one there, he grew up an atheist, but it was uh, his wife, because he was married and he was an oil baron, he was rich. By the example of her faith, her Catholic faith and her suffering, that converted him. And then he, after her death, his her death, he became, um, he not only did he want to become a Catholic, he wanted to become a monk and then he became a monk and then he became recently and became an abbot. So, um, but anyway. Is that amazing, abbot, isn't it, right? Yeah. And this, uh, the, and tying into the seventh promise, which is that uh, those who have a true devotion to the rosary shall not die without the sacraments of the church. Well, I don't know if you remember last year, there was a British politician that uh, died a very untimely death. It was very sad. It was a, a British MP. Uh, it was an Islamic extremist, a religious extremist that, uh, yeah. that killed him. Uh, it was very sad. Um, but the, the, the story was, there's a great priest, his parish priest, I believe, or at least a priest in the area heard about it. He was trying to administer the last sacraments. But unfortunately, because it was a crime scene, he couldn't get in. So a, a, a priest, a, a holy priest, that instantly he started praying the rosary, invited his parishioners to do the same. But uh, I think it was, an, it, was, it was interesting for us as Catholics to, to share what does it mean to, to die with the sacraments of the church and share that with the world and why is it important to receive the sacraments. Extreme unction, I guess, right, would be the, the right word there, Father. Yeah, to come food for the journey, right? So um, in the gospel, uh, sorry, in the letter of St. James, it mentions that um, the people are going out anointing the, the sick with oil, right? Um, and so for, for us receiving the Eucharist is receiving Christ. Uh, when we when they have the sacrament reconciliation, so it's the forgiveness of our sins. So ideally to die with the sacraments would be before you die, that you have confessed your sins to the priest so that your sins are forgiven, that you receive the anointing of the sick, right? So in Jesus' time, shepherds would use uh, olive oil or oil to cover the eyes, nose, and uh, um, ears of the sheep because bugs would put eggs, infect the eyes um, or uh, dust or other things. It would blind the sheep or cause the sheep to go death or cause an infection that might eventually kill the sheep. So by putting the oil over the eyes, on the nose and in the ears, it just helped to make it smooth. It was a protection, a layer. So when we anoint people at baptism, priest's hands are anointed. Um, you know, when we receive the anointing, the sick, you're anointing with the oil that the bishop blesses on, on chrism mass. Um, that's a way of saying the Christ's blessing and protection in a beautiful and unique way is, is there for you. Um, if the Vaticum is food for the journey, so it literally is to, that you receive our, our Lord 
um, in the in the Eucharist, obviously after you your sins have been confessed, uh, so that you're basically ready to go straight to heaven. Um, but you know it, the the issue, and I can personally say that when I have visited people in the hospital or at home, I am not surprised. I'm rather comforted when I see they have a rosary in their hand, or there's someone there's a rosary on the wall. There's a, somebody or someone's praying the rosary. You know, so I can I can vouch that that is the case. Um, with those who have had that, or, you know, a, a scapular, right? So. Well, that's great. Number eight, uh, those who faithfully recite the rosary shall have during their life and at their death, the light of God and the plentitude of his graces. And at the moment of death, they shall participate in the merits of the saints in paradise. That sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. So I think this is, you know, maybe an aspect of our life that we don't think about at the moment of our death, right? Um, I think it's important to note that, you know, like, like you said, we're all, we're all going to face death. Um, but how we face it is up to us, right? Do we face it in fear and trepidation or with faith and trust in the Lord? And, um, will we die selfishly, um, uh, and afraid, or will we die with a generous heart, um, and care for others? Um, and, you know, the word martyr is a Greek word meaning witness, right? So for us Christians, when we say someone is a martyr, it's not the term, it's not with the understanding of Islamic martyrdom, which is like, you know, you blow yourself up or whatever and, and you hurt other people. Um, for obviously not all Muslims believe that, but the more extreme ones. But um, for us Christians, it's rather one people who have given their life in service. And in some cases, even given their life for the safety of others. Um, or so that they would be harmed so others wouldn't be. So like, for example, the life of St. Maximin Kolbe, who he offered himself uh, in Auschwitz uh, to die by starvation and then eventually lethal injection. Um, so this other man who had a family and kids, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't uh, uh, die. So he'd be able to support his family and friends, uh, which he did later on in life. He, his children, his grandchildren um, survived and lived on. Uh, because of his witness. One thing I also just wanted to quickly go back to is number six. I, you know, I, it, I, I have to say I'm challenged by it in a good way. It says, whoever shall recite the rosary devoutly, right? So thinking about praying, meditating, really, because that's part of the rosary. It's not just to right. physically, verbally say it, but to reflect on. So each uh, day, uh, there is a, a mystery to reflect on. And, and so you have the joyful, which is, um, you know, the uh, different aspects of uh, how the Lord has called, you know, Mary, and you have the uh, visitation, you have the nativity, you, you know, a, you have the visitation, you know, you have the, the finding Jesus in the temple. Um, and then you have the sorrowful mysteries, which is the passion of Christ and his life. Then you have, you know, the joyful, which is today, which is focusing on the resurrection and our latest ascension to heaven. And then you also have, you know, St. John Paul II introduced the luminous mysteries, right? Which is really kind of tied to the sacraments. So you have the proclamation of the gospel, uh, you have the baptism, you have the the, the uh, proclamation of the gospel, you have the transfiguration, you have the institution of the Eucharist, right? So uh, you're, you're refer, reflecting on these mysteries, but like to really, you know, and that's something that's hard for us, especially if you, you've grown up Catholic and you've said the rosary a lot, it's really easy to just get into a, into a mode and, you know, and just like everything, just try to get it done, but it's to really, no, what does this mean for me? What am, how am I, you know, to really reflect on that. So that's, I, that's something I just want to point out. Oh, but anyway, sure. we, yeah. Nine is I shall deliver from purgatory those who have been devoted to the rosary. Okay. So, um, you know, it's important to know for Catholics uh, that purgatory is only for those going to heaven, right? So really when we die, there's only two places we're going to heaven or hell, but uh, to get to heaven, heaven is where God is. And the Lord says he wants us to be holy as he is holy. So he is without fault. He is totally perfect. There are no sins in heaven. So, we're not there yet. So part of that is that there's this purging as we make it to heaven, right? Everybody who's in purgatory is holy. They are saved, uh, but they're a period of time of purification before they get to heaven because we still might have resentments of forgiveness, maybe, you know, but we're, we're Christians. Now, I was literally just talking to uh, some high school kids today about purgatory. So I gave, you know, the example that Jesus gives of the, uh, who, who, who will be the master of um, the steward of the household? You know, he gives the example of 
the servant who, as he sees his master is delayed in coming, he starts drinking, he abuses the servants. He's the unfaithful one, right? So he is damned. Then he gives the example of the servant who does know his will and does listen to him. He's, he, he takes, he has all the master's possessions, right? So he enters into the glory of the kingdom of God. But then, so that was like, that's the hell, that's the heaven. But then he keeps going and he mentions two other servants. He mentions one who knew what the, um, he, but he, uh, he was just, he wasn't as successful. He knew what this master wanted, but he didn't do it the best of his ability. He mentions that he'll receive a severe beating, but that's the thing. Beating is temporary, doesn't last forever. And then he's fine. And then there's the one who was ignorant of what the master wanted, but he still didn't do what was good. So he didn't know the master's will, but he still kind of went against his own conscience in, in different areas of life. And so you see the light bill of beating, but then he was, he was good. So there's this sense of, well, here's a temporary punishment, but then he's good to go. Right. There's another aspects of the gospel, Luke, uh, you know, and also when you talk about when Jesus is referring to, um, you know, those who are in debt, they go into debtor's prison, right? So in Jesus' time, prison wasn't for the criminals that we have now. They just put those people to death. Think of the good thief on the cross. He was a thief and he was being sentenced to death, right? Now we would just give somebody months of jail time, maybe a year, who knows, depending on what they stole. Um, so Jesus' time, it was debtor's prison. So if you owed money and you could not pay, you were put in, it was like a, a culturally approved version of kidnapping. You go into the prison and you'd, you'd stay there until you paid the last penny. If you couldn't pay, you were sold into slavery or your, you and your family. So it could be really bad uh, to pay off for the debt. And so as Jesus, he says, unless you forgive your, uh, you know, your enemy from your heart, so your heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart, right? So is this, but the thing is, is that it's a temporary place of punishment and then you're freed, right? Hell is forever and you never get out. And it's important to, to note, Father, too, I think for people is that when you get to pur- you're, you're, when you get to purgatory, your salvation is sealed. You are going to heaven eventually. Yep. So we just yep. want to make that distinction for other people. You go to pur- you're not going to go to hell right. after too. It's your salvation is sealed, which is the good news, right? So, um, so the the tenth one is the faithful children of the rosary shall merit a high degree of glory in heaven. So this suggests too that there are different levels of heaven as well, Father. Well. See, this is the thing. If you're in heaven, there's no envy, there's no jealousy. You'll you'll be happy either there and for eternity. But you know, this is this is an important uh, you know uh, distinction, right? You know, in the letter Saint James, it mentions you know that we're not saved by faith alone. It specifically says that, right? Yes, we can never earn Jesus's graces, right? We can never earn salvation by baptism. We are freed of our sins. No, we, there's nothing we could do to earn that. Amen. I believe that. However, then after we're baptized, right now we're called to live as Christ and we make mistakes. We make sins. That's why with a sacrament of reconciliation, because our faith needs to inform our works, our actions. Right. And so uh, what this is saying here is that if you pray the rosary, then your actions are going to be more holy because you're going to be focusing on that more. And so that when you get to heaven, you'll just um, because you have wanted the Lord's glory to shine forth more, you know, that will be represented in heaven because heaven is, a, you know, is everything's transparent. You can see completely, you know, there's nothing, nothing is hidden. Right. So, and the thing is, is that it's, I think sometimes people think, oh, oh, that's awesome. It'll be like, you know, Boy Scouts where you get merit badges and you'll have, you know, these, <laughs> these things on you, but really what is, think about it. If you spent your life praying the rosary, there's more chances that you've given glory to God in your life and through that. So in heaven, people will just see how God has worked through you more because of your free will. And so this has to be the case because we have free will. If we didn't, then, you know, people can use the excuse of all that commit any sin I want because it's not really, you know, we're just saved, whatever, right? No, it's not. (laughs) Yes, Jesus, you know, after your baptism, yes, you're saved. But if you start turning against the Lord and you you don't do anything, he asks, you know, because of your choice, now you're going into hell, right? Because you'd reject God's mercy, right? That's the that's the important aspect. The eleventh one: You shall obtain all of you all that you ask of me by the recitation of the rosary. Now, of course, we're not uh, you know praying for our favorite team to to win a hockey game or something, uh, but uh, we're we're thinking about this in terms of eternal life, right? And and uh, and not perishing, as we talked about before, right, Father? Right. So you know, it's important to remember that. 
um, when someone says, oh, you shall obtain all that you ask of me by the recitation of the rosary, right? So obviously our heart will go closer to the Lord's heart and we'll want what the Lord wants more and more. And so when it says, you know, anything you ask, well, really what will happen is the more that you ask, you'll start asking for what God wants. And so that's what will be happening. But, uh, you know, there's a, I'll give a short example in, um, soup for the soul chicken soup for the soul you know you can take it if it actually happened or not it's up to you but anyway it's a good story basically there's a woman who said for a year she was really going to pray to win the lottery and she did but over the period of time that she was praying she changed jobs and in this new job she encountered a lady that she became friends with and this is in the states so you have to pay for your health care and her friend she noticed one day that she was kind of emotional, a little bit down. And it was because they found that she had a cancerous tumor in her head and she couldn't afford the surgery. Um, and that, you know, she mentioned what the price was, whatever. And a little bit later, the lady won the million dollars, but then she realized God allowed her to win that million dollars, not for herself, but to aid this woman to pay for a surgery to fear from her tumor. So, you know, the example of God answering the prayer, but all of a sudden it wasn't really what she thought it was going to be, it was actually in order to help this other person. So, you know, the glory can work in, in beautiful ways, even if we pray for something very selfish, like winning the lottery. <laughs> Go ahead with number, number 12 there, Father. All those who propagate the Holy Rosary shall be aided by me in their necessity. So all those who promote the rosary, right, to pray the rosary uh, will be aided by me in their necessity, right? So if you're talking about um, you know, a way to help people pray each day to come closer to the Lord. Obviously, the Lord wants that more. So whatever you do by the Lord, if you're doing, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I want God to bless my work, right? But if you are, are trying to do the works of God, God has already blessed those things, right? Um, so, the, you know, um, those are the things we should be working on. Of course, the Lord wants to assist us in, in doing those things. And so it makes perfect sense. Now, I like number 13 here because uh, it ties into a few other promises before as well. It says, I have obtained from my divine son, of course, Jesus, that all the advocates of the rosary shall have for intercessors the entire celestial court during their life and at the hour of death. So we talked a little bit about in the church we call the four last things. And really mm -hmm. what we're doing right now, Father, what we can do today in, in living a life of virtue, a sacramental life, a life of prayer uh, this is all going to help us for that hour of, of our death because that's uh, it's all preparing us for that that great hour, right? Right, and and also this is um, the teaching of you know uh, all the saints of the church, the heavenly court. So right, you know, heaven is a real place. People in heaven, in some ways, are more alive than we are, and they are praying for us. The saints care about us, you know. Um, so. Catholics often are criticized because we have statues of the saints. Now we don't worship the saints. Now, you know, there maybe there are some countries where they have uneducated people and they also have a tie-in with voodoo or something like that. They, you know, they're not following the teaching of the church, right? The real authentic way is if we see an image of our lady or of the saints, it's like you see a picture of your family in your wallet. You don't actually think that's your family in your wallet. You just, it's a reminder, oh, you know, you look at them and as an inspiration, you know, maybe if you had a bad day, oh yeah, I'm working for the, for this family, or, you know, I'm going to pray for them now because I, I, the image reminds me to pray for my family here. Now, when we see an image of the saint, we're reminded, oh yeah, heaven's real, that they, they're up in heaven and they want to pray for us uh, so that we can come closer to them now so some people like if you're from italy if you're from a particular place in italy padre pio saint padre pio is in every house you know in uh, uh you know in the area he did now one of my italian friends of mine he's from that area he says yeah they might not go to church but they have a picture of saint padre pio in their house now of course that's not using you know the saints in the right way you know you we, we still have free will we need to go to church we need to have our, our but it's the idea that you know the the saints all the saints uh, had their own personal problems. They still have sins they had to work on, but God worked uniquely through each one of them because each of us is a unique person. Um, and so the heavenly court, the saints are always praying for us. And so what he's saying here is that we'll have more people praying for us in heaven. And think about it. If you're trying to do the will of God more in your life, then they want to pray for you because you're going to be tempted more against it, right? Because you're going to the devil also doesn't want you to be successful, right? So you're going to have more challenges. You're also going to be discouraged because 
guess what? If you're trying to do the Lord's will, just like you weren't listening to the Lord before, you know, the same thing's going to happen with other people. They might be like, oh, please, you know, don't talk about Jesus again with us or, um, you know, or uh, yeah, you might have some intermittent success, but you, you know, people will get bored and move on or you don't, you don't, you know, when you work with people, it's, it's not like building a house or, you know, where you see the completed project and oh, you know, you're done. People are always moving and changing. And so, uh, when you work with people, sometimes you you happen to see a blessing, but you might not see that fruit. Like St. Paul says, uh, you know, Paul, water, you know, Titus plant, you know, he mentioned, but we don't always see the fruit of our works, right? So this is uh, part of that reality. Realize the saints are praying for us because we're trying, if you're praying the rosary, you're naturally wanting to do more work of the Lord. So you need more support too. Um, but also for sinners, for people who are very far away from the Lord, heaven is praying for them too. You know, so, um, and maybe there, you might be the person that the, the Lord wishes to work to, to bring that person closer to Christ. Um, and so if they're praying for the salvation, everyone, like we hear, you know, that, uh, Jesus goes for that one sheep who's gone astray, he goes after them. Right. And part of that is maybe we're helping with that. Hopefully, hopefully. So, um, the last one there, uh, or no, second, last one, all who recite the rosary are my sons and brothers of my only son, Jesus Christ, or your sisters. So basically we're, we're being adopted by mother Mary. Uh, and, um, but you know, mother Mary's a mother. So she's, she's going to, she might school us, you know, if we're, you know, I remember the children of Fatima, uh, they were praying the rosary, but I don't know if you know this, but they were just say, they would just say our father, that's it at the, our father beat. And they would say, just Hail Mary at the Hail Mary. It'd be our father, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. You know, and then shortcut, like, right? yeah. yeah, I don't know. You guys have to say a full our father and a full Hail Mary. Like she knew what they're saying, right? Like you got to pray the whole thing, right? So she'll, she'll be a good mother to us. You know, like I remember, you know, one time being like, you know, I was in the seminary. I was thinking, you know, what could I do that's really, you know, good and, and holy and stuff like that. And I remember I felt like mother Mary would probably want me just to clean my room because it's kind of messy right now. <laughs> So I went and did that. <laughs> Last one, devotion so to, uh, to my rosary is a great sign of predestination. Okay. Yeah, what does predestination so, mean, Father? That's an interesting one. Right. So now this is, now this is says, remember it says, this is a great sign of predestination, not that you are predestined. Okay. So predestination, the concept of predestination is that there's a group of people that are already saved and they're going to heaven. Uh, and then there's a group that's already damned. The problem with predestination is that that means there's no free will. So, and usually the people that believe in predestination usually believe it applies to themselves, <laughs> right? Uh, now you will encounter the uh, the hardened sinner, uh, the person maybe who's steeped in addictions, who thinks of themselves as a lost cause, and they'll say, you know, I'm predestined to hell. You know, like I just. My environment's so bad, I can't get out of it. Now, that is a heresy because there is no limit to the mercy of God. You know, God has no limits. God can work in any heart that chooses to open themselves to it. Now, will it take time? Sure. You know, but remember the good thief on the cross, he was dying. He, he lived, he didn't live the best of life, but in that moment, he turned to Christ and Christ said, you know, today you'll be with me in paradise, right? So everybody has hope. Everybody has hope. Um, and also it's a dangerous thing to assume that you are predestined to heaven because there are certain smaller sects of Christianity that may believe that some of the Jehovah witnesses, this is a thing for them. You know, they think that they're uh, going to be pre predestined as well. The problem though, is then people who think that then they're like, Oh, well, it doesn't really matter what I do with my life. You know, I can, I can be immoral. I can be whatever because I'm predestined for heaven. I got, you know, so if I don't go to, uh, you know, the problem is they make, they simplify Christianity so much and the, and the promise to bring more people in that they basically negate it completely. Um, so, uh, so this is important. What, what Mary is saying here, mother Mary says devotion to my rosary is a great sign of predestination. It doesn't say you are predestined. Right. And of course, what does that mean? So if you are every day trying to, again, as I said, trying to reflect on the word of God, trying to pray as discern the Lord's will in your life, try to, to live the Lord's will more in your life. Well, of course, <laughs> you know, uh, you're, you're, you're developing a positive habit of trying to allow the word, the Lord to work through you. And you're trying to pray for the world more. And, you know, for example, 
in uh, I was just hearing in 1955, an Austrian priest went to different parts of Austria because Austria was at the time um, run by the communist Russians. And his goal was to get about 10% of each parish to pray the rosary. And they did. In 1955, the Russians of their own volition left Austria, even though other countries around them, like Poland, uh, ha still had the Russian occupation. Um, and it was through Our Lady that this peacefully happened, right? You think of the Battle of Lepanto, Our Lady of Victory, where the people prayed, the Pope asked everyone to pray the rosary against the, the attack of the Turks, and they were successful, right? And so this Friday, Pope Francis is asking us, uh, he is consecrating the crisis in Ukraine and Russia to Immaculate Heart of Mary, right? Again, Mary always wants what Christ wants. So it's basically saying, Lord, we, we need your graces. And of course, he's asking for the whole church to pray for peace. Um, now, this is the thing. People might say, well, that seems rather pointless. Why would you do that? You know, like we just need to get in there and throw bombs or something like that. But of course, war just begets more war. And really, at the end of the day, we need to pray for a conversion of Vladimir Putin to realize that no material good is greater than a person's life. And it doesn't matter if Ukraine has natural gas and oil off its coast or whatever like that. You know, it, you are not benefiting. And also, you have a soul. So you've got to answer for all the stuff that you're doing, right? He says he's a Christian. You know, um, uh, you know so, and also for the people of Russia, you know, uh, though they're not being affected as badly as the Ukrainians, you know, they don't really approve of him. And of course, now their lives are going to be, it's going to be basically like going behind the Iron Curtain again. And the problem with war is there's no limit to escalation. And now that we have nuclear weapons, you know, we're, we're flawed human beings and we need a savior and we have one, Jesus Christ. And we have his mother who only wants us to know him more deeply and to live uh, his message, uh, which is our salvation, the gospel, uh, so that we may not only know the Lord who loves us, but also to be like our Lord for our brothers and sisters. So we've got these 15 promises, and we encourage all our listeners to pray the rosary every day. Uh, and uh, if you pray with your family, it's not easy, but the Lord sees your effort, right? He knows that life gets in the way sometimes, but there's uh, he sees the effort of trying to, to get together, especially with your your children and uh, your spouse and, and praying as a family. So, so beautiful. Father, thanks for sharing this with us. I really appreciate it. Before we let you go, can we ask for your blessing, please? Of course. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for all your benefits. We ask you to bless us, especially in the season of Lent, as we journey with your Son closer to his glorious passion, death, and resurrection, that we may too be not afraid to carry our crosses. For in the cross is our glory and our salvation. And so may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ, glorify the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Thank you again to Father Carlos for joining us in this episode of the podcast to talk about the 15 promises of the rosary. I can't stress this enough, how important it is for you to pray the rosary with your family every day. And uh, hey, get to that point where you can pray it on your own too. It's only 15 minutes. And it's going to make a world of difference for you in your spiritual walk. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, praying the rosary every day is going to make a big difference in the life. And people around you, your family, your children, your spouse, your co-workers are going to notice it. And that's what we need to do today. We need to be a beacon of light to others. Father Patrick Payton was a priest in the 20th century. He has since passed away. He's gone on to his eternal reward. Uh, maybe some of you have already heard of Father Patrick, but he dedicated his life and his life's mission to promote the rosary, praying as a family across the United States and uh, around the, the whole world. And uh, one of his famous sayings is, the family that prays together stays together. And he also said, quote, if families give Our Lady, if families give Our Lady 15 minutes a day by reciting the rosary, I assure them that their homes will become, by God's grace, peaceful places, end quote. And isn't that what we want from our domestic church, from our families? We see the struggles of our husbands, our wives, our children, our grandchildren. We see those struggles. Don't we desire peace? Let's take this step. You know, God gives us these signs and gives us these instructions to help us out. And Our Lady, she always takes us to Jesus Christ. That's where we need to go, the cross of Jesus Christ. 
Thanks for listening to the Catholic Connect podcast, everyone. Remember to like and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, Gab Getter. Hey, we're all over social media. Drop me a line anytime. I love hearing from you. Love hearing from the listeners and uh, chatting with you from wherever you are in our beautiful universal church that we belong to. If you're not a Catholic, I'm inviting you to consider becoming a Catholic. I'd love to help you in the process. Drop me a line anytime on that. And hey, Catholics, you know what you got to do. You've been listening to this podcast long enough. What do we got to do to be that beacon of light in this fallen world? We need to go to confession at least three times every year, every Lent, every Advent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. We'll chat with you very soon.